Welcome to The Link Church. We pray this week's message inspires you to have a meaningful relationship with Jesus. So we're in, a, we're in our series, Say Series, amen? We're talking about what, what I really want to do is encourage people to get back to prayer. That's what I want to get them back to. I think we're good at a lot of things. I just think we suck at prayer. And prayer should be our kind of our starting point. It should be our, our anchor point. Prayer is that, is that relationship. That's that relationship we have with the Father, amen? And so I want to get us back to communicating with God, not because you have to, but because you want to. I want you to love that. I want it to be important to you. I want you to preference it. I want it to be so important you're prepared to turn Netflix off for it. Right? I want it to be that important to you. And so I want to try and help you over the next couple of weeks. Um, It's certainly in the area of prayer. Prayer is where you grow. It's where you're going to get vision. It's where you're going to get understanding. Prayer is where your life changes. You're going to find purpose when you start praying. And prayer is your opportunity to spend time with the Father. It's your opportunity. You have that opportunity. You have it available to you. And nobody can tell you even when to do it. You can do it whenever you like. And and it should be something that we want to do. Amen? I mean, why would we not want to pray? Unless, unless prayer is a chore. If it's a chore, then maybe we don't want to do it. So is that what prayer is to you? Is it a chore? Is it something you want to do or is it something you feel you have to do? It's like, how do I make time for this? How do I do it? How am I going to make time for prayer? And it shouldn't be something like that. Prayer, I would say, if prayer is a chore, then I I would argue that your relationship with God needs repair. And this is tough to, this is tough to deal with. Because the truth of the matter is we should want to pray. And if we don't want to pray, I think there's something that needs to be rectified in that relationship. Anybody who has a partner, I mean, I mean, you take Heinrich and Kathleen. Imagine they never wanted to talk. We wouldn't look in and go. The media department needs to get their stuff together, eh? I've done a, it was skew, guys. Um, like if you look into a relationship like that and they don't want to talk, you wouldn't just look in and go, man, that's so healthy. It's really good. I'm glad you guys don't ever want to communicate, spend time together. Everything other than that is important to you. Healthy, looking good. I could see this marriage going forever. You wouldn't do that in any relationship. You'd be looking and saying, this is unhealthy. Something's wrong. It doesn't matter about everything else. You say, Andrew, no, no, I cook dinner. It doesn't matter to me. Now I washed the car for her. I don't care what you did for her. The fact that you don't want to talk, that's a concern to me. There's something wrong with the relationship, amen? Amen. And so spending time with God should be something we want to do. And here's the truth. God wants to have a relationship with you, and He wants to spend time with you desperately. He's desperately wanting to spend time with you. He wants a relationship with you. And so this series is designed to get you back into that relationship. Uh, At the very least, for many of you, I want to get you started in that. For a lot of you, if you're like me, prayer is a scary thing. Like it's one thing to pray in private where no one can hear me. It's another thing to pray publicly where everyone can hear me. 
It's a terrifying thing. We're scared about it. It makes us nervous. We're not sure how to do it. We don't know what to say. We don't know when to say. When do we jump in? What's the etiquette here? Like, what's the format? How do I follow? Where do I learn? What do I read? There's no real information, and it's because it's relational. And it's something that develops. You remember... uh, Matt will remember when he, when he first saw Alana and he walked through that club, uh, he didn't really have all the words to say. She had a solid no for him, right? But, but he never had, like, he didn't just walk up and it just flowed. No, it's something that's built. It's something that's built. Amen? Doing better now. Like when any relationship starts, conversation or connection is awkward. It's awkward. I remember a friend of mine... Um, he was, a, he was a paramedic, and we were at a wedding, and I met this girl when we were dishing up food. She was a paramedic. And I, I said, that's amazing. I actually got someone I know who was also doing something similar to you because I didn't really want to have that conversation because I don't like blood, right? So I'm trying to move through this conversation. And so I, I decided, I said, what are your thoughts on, on that chap down there? there? And she said, he, he, is, he is fairly good looking. And so I left that conversation. I went and spoke to him. And I said, she's all right. And he goes, yeah, she's, she's nice. She seems lovely. I said, well, but you haven't met her, so you don't know how it seems. But anyway, so I got them together, and I just said, you know, you meet you, you meet you, and I just left. I just introduced them, and I left them to get along. That awkward moment where they're just going, hi. You know that, like, they feel like you have to bow? Hi. I don't know why you're bowing, but, but go, with, go with. And they ended up together for ages they were dating. Ages and ages and ages. But that awkward first step, that conversation started, not always that simple. Amen? And so every great relationship needs this. It needs shared values, vision, and goals. A great relationship will have a shared value, vision, and goals. And if you've got, a share, if you've got shared values, vision, and goals, I will guarantee you conversation will happen. It's a conversation starter. It will automatically happen. Amen? It's always going to stir conversation. And so uh, for many of you, if you're like I was, what do I say to God? What do I say to God? I'm, I'm, I'm scared. I don't want to mess it up. I, I could understand the magnitude of, I thought I understood the magnitude of who he was, and, and I was a bit scared. I didn't have the words, and I didn't know enough. I felt really embarrassed, really stupid. What do you say when you don't know these things? And the simple answer is this. uh, You're going to have to let passion override your fear. You're just going to have to let passion override your fear. At some stage, you've got to say, she's cute enough that I'm going to talk to her. Amen? You just have to do it. But if you've got those shared values and that vision and that goal... Uh, conversation will automatically happen. Conversation will automatically happen. When I was a kid, we grew up, if there was water, we grew up around it. Like water was just kind of everything about our lives. Jet skis, um, slalom skiing. I can ski, slalom ski, those, you know, those big stupid banana things that you jump on with all your friends. Uh, Tubes, you know, it's got to have two or three so you could hijack each other. Like everything to do with that, uh, everything to do with boating, um, was where we were, and so we were the first on, on, the, on the dam that we lived on, 
We were the first to get this thing called a wakeboard. Anyone know what a wakeboard is, right? And wakeboard, and we had a wakeboard for about a year before anyone else got a wakeboard. And so we had no idea how to do this, but very soon people started to get into wakeboarding and it was awesome. We would gather together and, and, we, and, and wakeboarding became our life. Everything about wakeboarding. If, if wakeboarders were, had long hair, we wanted long hair. If they wore certain clothing, we had to wear that clothing. We had to speak like wakeboarders, act like wakeboarders. We had everything. We had a trampoline, and the trampoline had like a rope with a handle tied to it. So you could jump on the trampoline with a board attached to you. So you could, you could learn even when you weren't in the water. Everything about it was what we were doing. The movies we watched, we aimed at anything that had a wakeboard in it. Any documentary, we would still go to a, like to a stationery store. I don't know if you guys wouldn't know these things. There's these, um, these things called magazines. And um, you would flip through that have like, like pictures, like printed pictures that would come off your phone and that'd actually be in this thing called a magazine. And we would, we would spend time in the aisle and just flick through all them. And we would look at all the different tricks and try to remember all the different names. And, and our world revolved around this. Our friends were all wakeboarders. Uh, what we wore, the way we speak, everything was about wakeboarding. We grew together and we spent time together and we learned from each other. And um, we did life with people who wanted the same thing as us. We all had this shared thing that we wanted to be good at. We sucked, right? But we wanted to be good. Um, and have you, I don't know whether you've had that, whether you've ever had this passion or this dream or this, this hobby or something that you do and you love it, and you into it, and, and you throw everything into it, you find yourself thinking about it, you, you, got, you follow all the pages on Instagram and Facebook, uh, you think about it when you're in the car, uh, you dream about it when you should be working, uh, all of those things, that's how you know you're passionate about something. It should be something that just kind of, it's always stirring in you, amen? That's what it was like for us. And then the jackpot happens. When you find a friend who wants the exact same things as you want, and it's amplified. Have you noticed that? You find somebody who wants to be a professional wakeboarder just like you, and you're like, oh my gosh, it's like this person's from heaven. You, you finish each other's sentences, right? You just, you're in love with the idea that, that somebody's in love with the same thing as you. You've got the shared vision or value or goals. You love it. That's how you know something is stirring in you. And when you talk to that person, you never have to think about what to say. This passion overrides things and it just starts to come. Because you're passionate about it. It stirs conversation. Are you with me? And then when it comes to the things of God, the things we should be passionate about, we say nothing. <laughs> we don't talk to Him. We, we, don't, we don't share anything with God. We don't, we don't let him share anything with us. We would read the magazine about wakeboarding, but certainly not this thing called a Bible. We, we don't allow him to teach us. We, we don't allow it to encourage us. We actually don't say anything. We don't do very much at all, do we? When it comes to this thing called prayer, and as, as Christians, certainly as Christians, I thought that we were as passionate as one another. I thought that we had the same dreams and values and God, and we might disagree. I mean, you might think, you know, a backflip 180 is, is the best trick in the world, and I might think that a Superman is. 
But it didn't stop us from coming together and talking about wakeboarding and, and allowing somebody the room to, you know, I just do think the Superman's probably one of the greatest tricks. And you don't have to agree with me. But in, in, in the body of Christ, things like this are dividing us. We're starting, to, we're starting to divide on things that are not even there for, for discussion. Opinion, it should never separate us. Just because you believe something about the Bible and I believe something different, that should stir conversation because it's all centered around the Word of God and, 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 around, and around who He is. And, and we should rub off each other and we should stir one another up and we should get into it and we should enjoy it. And when we leave, it should be okay. I had... I had um, I had amazing, I had a meal with somebody and at the end of the meal, we laughed together and we realized that probably out of at least 10 things that we had discussed, we were in agreement with zero of them, none. But we had the best time, the greatest chat. I left stirred and encouraged. I wanted to read the Bible more. I wanted to pray more. I just, I was stirred up, fired up. Why? Because I was with somebody who whilst we might not agree on everything, we agreed on lots of things. We agreed that Jesus is the Son of God. We agreed that salvation is, is possible. We just agreed that God is incredible. We spoke about things and discussed it and it stirred us. Where is that gone in the body of Christ? How are we not praying? And perhaps it's because our values and our vision and our goals don't align with God. I'd say it this way. This is what I wrote down. This is, I'd say that Jesus cares about people and we care about ourselves. That's kind of the best way to sum it up. And, and birthed from that is something really toxic. For people who gave their life to Jesus, that is very, very toxic. So check this out. God invites us or calls us. You hear people say like the call of God. He invites us. Try not to see this word call so much as you would the word invite. He invites us into something insane. He invites us out of darkness and into light. He gives us the opportunity to step out of this mess and into something that's just unbelievable. And it's his plan to reach everyone. And, and he, he, you, you read through Scripture, and it's just, it's everywhere. It's like, I recognize that you're a nightmare. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send my son to do something about you because you, you're an absolute disaster, Andrew. And, and, and then I'm going to invite you into my plan, and my plan is to change the world. And it should be this revelation of I know where I was going, I know what I was doing, I know what I was like, and he's changing me, and he's healing me, and he's delivering me from this thing, and then he gives me the opportunity to play a part in people's lives, and to bless them, and to reach them, and to love them, to care for them. He gives me an opportunity, and it should stir something, because for the first time, our values are starting to align. The things we want are starting to become the same things. We agree on the same things. We agree that, that we have to reach people and it's something that drives us and stirs us. And we might disagree on, on who does it best or his way versus my way or her way versus that girl's way. It, but it doesn't matter about who does what and how. It mattered that we were going in the same direction. It should be our number one focus and it should be our passion and it should be something we want more than anything in the world. 
We should want what God wants. So the Apostle Paul, he says this to the church in Rome. He writes this letter. Romans 12, he said this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. I love the one translation. I think it's the King James says, or New King James. It says, I beseech you, therefore. It's like, it's just better written that way. I beseech you, therefore. Like, none of those words we use, but all of them are awesome. Right? Let them be a living, holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Worship is not, you know, we talk about worship, in, certainly in this current place, we talk about it as, as the songs that we sing. We refer to that as worship, but that's not worship. That's just part of worship. Worship is your life toward God. It's everything. Verse 2, he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So I rewrote it. It's a little bit better for us so we can understand it. I had to rewrite it for myself. After all God did for you, which is paid the, the price and the penalty for what you actually deserve, he took your hiding. He's like your younger brother. My younger brother had to take my hiding, or he gets two hidings, right? Jesus, like if you think about, if you think about what you've done in life, man, the price Jesus paid for you is absolutely astonishing. It's unbelievable. I'm begging all of you to live dedicated to his purpose in a very sincere manner. Don't copy everyone around you, especially the way you behave, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then he says, then you will learn to know God's will for your life, then. Then. You see, here's the issue. We want the answer and then. And he's going, uh-uh. Nope. You present your body then, you first. I think he's done enough already. And in light of what he's done, you do something too. You come to the party. What more does he need to prove? How does he prove he loves you more? What does he do? Does the, does the beating have to be more severe? Does he have to be less recognizable? What does Jesus have to do before we go, in light of what you did for me, here I am. But we don't do that. We go, I understand what you did for me. I get what you did for me. But what's the plan for me? When is God going to turn up? When is God going to do something in my life? When is my life going to turn around? I mean, has he seen my bank account for goodness sake? It's a disaster and he could do something about it. Where are you, God? And we shake our fist at heaven because we think that somehow he owes us more. Why is salvation, why could that not just be enough for us? It's always more. And the truth of the matter is because we are never satisfied with what we've got. We always want more. 
No sooner have you paid that car off, you'll buy another one. No sooner have you, oh my God, you get that mortgage down, you look into that bank account, you go, well, there's 30 grand in that offset account. And that jet ski is only 25. Which leaves like a buffer if the rates go up. I hear you, Lord. I'm just feeling for your glory. Uh Are you dedicated sincerely? Because you know there's a difference between dedication and turning up. I can feel it. I can feel the love. Do you copy everything you see? Do you behave like everyone around you? Here's the best way to do it. If I walked into your workplace or a party, would I see something different about your life to everyone else? So they're all drinking and carrying on and and, and swearing and speaking about their wives a certain way. Is that you? Would I walk in and go, well, that guy doesn't look like he fits in. Or do you just look like everyone else, laugh at the same jokes? If you're at work, somebody hits their hand, their, their thumb with a hammer and you just hear something come out, right? You hit yours. Come on, Shane, what comes out? It's pure Christian out of Shane. He just hits that thing, bam, bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name, that feels good. Right? What did my pastor say once? He said, I said to him, I said to him, why? Because he was just, he just treat me real bad. And it was just, and I said to him, it's like you wanna, it's like you wanna kill me. I said, you you squeeze so hard. And he said, Andrew, I just wanna, I wanna squeeze until something comes out. And he goes, what always comes out is non-Christian. He goes, I wanna squeeze until I see something come out that's better than what normally comes out. When you're under pressure, when you squeezed, what comes out of you? If you were pressing olives, most of us would just be the pip. There'd be no oil, you know what I mean? Am I right? What sets you apart? What is it about your life that you could say what sets you apart? A girl once came to me. She said, I'm going to start an e-group. I said, that's awesome. And she said, you should come. And I said, why? And she goes, because it's going to be awesome. I said, so is everyone else's. Yeah, but I'm going to be there. I said, that's a reason for me to go to someone else's. <laughs> that's, not a, that's not helping you. She said, no, but we're going to have the presence of God. I said, so are they. We're going to disciple people. Do they know you're talking about them like this? Or? I said, they try, they're doing the same thing. And she went, oh, my gosh. And I said, there's nothing about you that makes me want to come. Go away, come back with a point of difference. as if you're watching. She actually went on. She actually went on like she's actually probably one of the most incredible leaders. She truly is. She still messages me sometimes. Tells me how she's praying for the world. What do people notice about you and the way that you live that makes them want to know Jesus more? Uh, I think I just saw a, a thing online about a study they did in the US where they said, um, I think it's about 75 or 85% of people in the U.S. respect Jesus. They just don't respect Christians. 
That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. Do you know how hard it is? I meet Christians where I think, man, I hope, I hope no one ever has a conversation about God with you. I hope they don't speak to you because you scare me. You scare me. So Paul says that God wants to change you into a new person by changing the way you think. Many of you would rather cling to your current persona. You'd rather have that than change into the image of God. Because your current self-identity is something that you've created. You've worked so hard to create the gangster version of yourself that you're terrified that just maybe somebody might see a different version of you. What would happen if you changed? Everyone's not going to know that I'm gangster. No one cares that you were a gangster. Only you care about what they think. And for many people, you're so frightened. Here's Here's the number one way I know this is true. This is a me thing. My greatest fear to raise my hands in church in worship was that everyone was going to look at me. So I couldn't praise God because I was scared of what you thought. I literally gave people power to stop me from worshiping God because what happens if Andrew was to go to his knees? They'll think I'm looking for money on the floor or something. What's going on here? But I couldn't go to my knees because I didn't want to feel so exposed. Cry in church? You've got no chance. I'm not crying in this place. I hate crying. I'm not crying. Why? Because I was worried about what people thought. And there comes a moment, it's like there's a maturity in you that comes to a place where you realize, I actually don't care what somebody thinks. Why should I care about what you think? What have you done for me? I didn't see you go to the cross for me. Why are we so consumed with what everybody would say? Oh, imagine what would happen, Lord forbid, that you would go to work and your boss would find out that you went to church on us. You went. How was your weekend? Yeah, good, mate. Yours? What did you do? Yeah, had a quiet one. Uh huh. That's when you know. It's rough, eh? Because true. Come on, it sucks, but it's true. It's horrible. It's horrible. So supposing I want to change, what do I do? Pastor Anz, I want to change. Uh, how does he change me? How's this going to happen? Verse 12, he said, he said, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all of what he's done for you. Here's how it works. When you realize or have the revelation, when you realize how incredible God is and what he did, when you realize what Jesus did on the cross for you, the price he paid, he says, then you would present yourself a living sacrifice. So you would go, you would stop and think about, wow, wow, in light of that, I'm all in. He was. How much more in does Jesus need to be for you? He was all in. And you would then present yourself. You would turn up. You would turn up. And you would say, here I am. And I want you to know that, that you're not really getting the best of the best. I'm a, I'm a disaster. And I've got so much hurt. And I've got pain. And I've got confusion. 
And, and what I know about you, I actually heard probably, you may not know this, but I was, I was drunk. And uh, in the pub, and there was this, uh, somebody just shared. And they didn't know what they were talking about, but it sounded half reasonable, and I just said, okay. And I've never read your Bible. I don't, I don't know what your word says. I don't know what prayer is, and I don't know what to do, and I don't know where to go. But I'm here, and I want you to change me. I know that I can't keep going the way I'm going. I need help. And the humility in that, when you present yourself to God, when you turn up and say, I'm, I'm here, it's not about how smart your words are. It's not about how you put it together. It's not like he goes, oh, it's like an 80 percenter, right? You're going to have to go back and just rethink about how you approach. No, he's like, just come. Just come. Just come as you are. Just come. And when you do that and you acknowledge that you need him and you humble yourself and you die to yourself and your selfish desires and your agenda and your plan, change happens and conversation starts. I asked my pastor years ago, I said to him, what if I give him everything and I have nothing left? And he said, what, do you, what would you keep if you could? I said, well, it's just like I don't have all that much money now. So to give it all away just seems sort of counterintuitive. And he said, you know what, Andrew, when you give him everything, sometimes he's not going to give it all back to you immediately. Sometimes he's going to give you a little bit of something to see what you're going to do with that something. And if you're faithful with that something, more is going to come. We are so in control that we're out of control. We think that we can somehow strong arm God and, and figure this thing out. Good luck to you. That's all I can say. Not going to happen. There's something humbling about getting on your knees when no one's watching or going for a walk down the beach or in the park down the road from you or in your neighbor's yard. There's something humbling about doing this and just spending time with God and just saying, I'm here and I'm a mess and I don't even know what to ask and I don't know what to say. And sometimes that's the best starting point because it gives you a really good example or a really good starting point. Just shut up and listen and you'll be amazed it's not like I go and sit in prayer and I just hear this, Andrew. I don't hear the heavens open. I don't hear God's voice that way. But sometimes just being in that presence and just relaxing a little bit, there's a peace that comes. And before you know it, I'm telling him everything again. I've got some great advice. And I've learned over the years, share your advice with him. God, if you did this, this is what would happen. It would be awesome. Right? And I've had times where I'm like, if you had done that, that would not have happened. Why don't you also ask? And it takes a little while, and then I realize that he might have seen something that I didn't see. There was a glitch, and he might have been right. Sometimes things happen for a reason. But what will happen is you'll start to realize that when you go and spend time with God and you get into the Word, you know that thing that's next to your bed? The coffee cup stain on his Bible, right? That thick coaster you've got somewhere in your house. When you start to read the word and you start to open it and you realize, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Things start to change. 
your perception, your outlook, the way you view things, your understanding, the, what you want to build, where you want to go, how you want to do things, who you want to meet, what kind of person they need to be. Suddenly, not anything will do. No, it starts to, some things start to get narrow. You start to make a decision. If it's going to be that girl, she's going she's gonna to be like this. She's going to worship God. This is, she won't compromise in this area. That will be important to her because it doesn't matter how beautiful she is on day one, on day like when she's like a hundred something years old, she ain't going to be as pretty as she was when she was 17. You better have something more than looks to go off. Otherwise, you're going to have just not the same looking 17 year old. That's what you get. Like there has to be conversation and there has to be values and goals and things that you want to do and dreams and, and you've got to have ideas. You've got to drive down the ocean and say, babe, when we buy this whole street, something is going to, we're going to live in that one, but we'll holiday in that one. We'll have our, it may not happen, but at least you've got something that you're aiming at. There has to be something. There has to be conversation. There has to be a depth in there. And we don't have that with God, and we're wondering why we don't have that with each other. There is nothing to talk about. If we don't have Him, we have nothing. We have nothing. Amen? Prayer is birthed when you realize God can change me, and you want that change. That's the starting point. You don't have to have the words. What do I say to God? Say nothing. Say nothing. Take the pressure off. Go sit there quietly. Open the Bible and read. And just say, God, I'm here. Uh, I remember praying this prayer. I used to open the Bible and then say, God, I don't understand anything. And I can't, I can't remember anything either. So, like, could you help me be, like, kind of less stupid than going in here? I just want to kind of, I just want to not forget. And I'd open the Bible and start reading. And most of the time, nothing changed. But what I realized is that every time I did this, others were not doing this. There was something that God was depositing inside of me. And then you're talking with somebody at coffee, and they say something, and it comes out of you. Even you're saying amen at what you just said. Notice that you say it, you're like, that's good. That's good. Bro, you tweet it or I will, but that needs to be, was that scripture? That's, that's in the Bible because it just starts coming. Reading your Bible on a good day won't fix anything. Having that in you on a bad day changes everything. Yes. Amen? And so how we approach Him, we just got to be real. I said last week, stop overthinking this thing. Just be real with Him. It's okay just to walk up and say, Lord, uh, honestly, I feel sick. I look at the world around me and I realize I'm exactly like them. I drink like them, smoke like them, I swear like them. Uh, when there's road rage, I behave like them. I'm exactly like everyone else and I hate it. I want to be different. Would you change me? Amen. And some of you are like, hang on. That doesn't make sense in my brain. It doesn't need to. It makes sense in his. You don't have to have fancy words. And when you get over that, you'll not worry about prayer. Amen. Just before we close, here's, a, here's, a, here's something you need to remember. If you're talking to wakeboarders, odds are you're going to be better at wakeboarding. If you're talking to God, odds are your life will change. It's as simple as that. But we're going to have to get over the fear. 
my brother, um, so Russell's really good at wakeboarding, really good, and I'm not as good as Russell, but um, I taught Russell just about everything he knows. And so, um, but Russell used to come out the water. I'll never forget this as a kid. He just changed me. He used to come out the water. The boat would pull him out. He'd come out, and immediately he'll cut away. So the boat's going over there, and you would just kind of cut into the water, and you'd go as far as you can. He'd cut away from the boat, and then he'd turn back, and he'd come back as fast as he could. He'd go as, as close to 90 degrees as he could go, and then right as he's about to go up the wake, you know, with the boats making the way, he would turn, and the wake would trip him, and he would try and do a backflip, right? Come out of the water. He hasn't warmed up, nothing. He'd just do it as quick as he can, and most of the time, in fact, 100% of the time, the board would go up and stay up, and Russell would just fly and then collect the water on the way down. Head first, I've just seen him get absolutely totaled. And the boat would come back around and we'd have to pick Russell up. And would, my, I remember my mother like hanging over the front of the boat, like, are you all right? Are you alive? Or like, what are you doing? And I remember one day he came out the water, kind of, you could see he wasn't all there, like less than what he's already. And, and so he was kind of like, he's like a bit dazed and confused. And we were like, bro, are you alive? And he's like, yeah, I just needed to get the fear out of the way. Now let's go back. Let's go. And now he'll land a backflip. But he, he didn't let the fear of falling or hurting him, hurt himself stop him from what he wanted to do. He got it out the way. I know you're scared of prayer. Forget about that. Go and just have a really awkward conversation one time and then leave it. And you'll just feel better. Sometimes you just have to break the ice. You just have to get the process started. You just got to start the conversation. Something happens when you get into the presence of God. Come on. I want you to just get back into prayer. Amen? I want you to want to pray, and I don't care about how fancy your prayer is. I just want it to be genuine because I want you to have a meaningful relationship with Jesus, not just know about Him. Amen? You feel better about it? You feel like you can pray a bit better? All right, come on, bow your heads. We're going to pray. But it's going to be like one of these you beaut prayers. No, I'm joking. Don't allow feeling silly to stop you from growing and learning. Prayer, you can feel so silly, so especially when you pray in front of people. Don't let, it, don't let that be the thing. Do what Russell does. Just go in head first. That moment where you start feeling comfortable... And prayer isn't something you do, but it's who you are. You're a person of prayer. You're a person of worship. When that starts to happen, when you find yourself praying at some of the weirdest times, you're driving in your car and you just feel, you don't even know where it came from. One minute you were driving, you thought, man, I've got to get me some Maccas. And then bam, you find yourself, Lord, I don't know why I just get a sense that I need to pray for Luke right now. I don't know where he is. I don't know what's going on in his life. I don't know what he's up to. But his name's in front of my mind. I just want to pray, Lord, that wherever he is, that he would be protected, loved, and cared for. Let's get me some of that Maccas. When that starts to happen in your life, things change. When you're in the middle of worship and it's no longer really about the words on the screen, but it's just like, God, I just... You are my everything. And then you realize that that was just on your iPod or 
You were just walking down the beach and you were just talking to him. That's when prayer is starting to change you. When you start to see the world differently. God wants to spend time with you. And he wants to talk to you. And if you could see him as your father, not just this God out there somewhere, but if you would see him as your father, maybe you wouldn't treat him as though he's just an object. And you'd receive him better and you'd hear from him better. I guarantee you this, if you start praying, your whole life will change. That's all I can say is that I've never, ever, ever to date met any praying person who, who did not tell me that prayer changed their life. And if it's true for 100% of people, it's got to be true for you too. Or at the very least, at least give me some different stats. Pray for a year and then come tell me, no, didn't change my life one bit. But I don't think we'll be talking about that. And so as Paul did, I'm pleading with you this evening to give your bodies to God because of all He's done for you. I'm begging you in light of what Jesus did for you, stop trying to control things and just sell out to Jesus. Just lay it all on the line. Let's stop trying to figure this thing out and just say, God, here I am. Here I am. When last did you say this to God? Lord, teach me afresh. When you read your Bible, I do it every single year. I say, God, I want to read the word like I've never read it before. I don't want anything other than just new. And I want to see things I've never seen before. As you're sitting here, I just want to ask you whether you would make a commitment to just begin to start praying. So Lord, for every time that we came together, every time that we left and we were on our own and we treated you like an object instead of our Father, we're just sorry. I'm sorry for every moment that I made this a task or a chore instead of the greatest opportunity that I have. I'm so sorry that I made it a last resort instead of prioritizing it above everything else. I'm sorry that I let people control me instead of just being able to worship you the way you deserve. As we stand here this evening, as we sit in this place, we want you. And your word says that if we draw near to you, you'll draw near to us. And if we come to you, we present ourselves to you that we will find out what your will for our lives is. And so we say, Lord, we're coming. We're coming. We're coming. We don't want a little bit. We want it all. We want it all. Do you want it all in this place? Do you want more of God? It's got to be, it's got to be something you want. It's got to be something you desire. It's got to be something you hunger for.
I just want you to take a moment and just think about what He's done for you. While people are thinking about that, you're not where you should be with God, maybe online. You need to respond to God. I think there's scripture about knocking. Come on, you know where you should be. I want to pray for you. Maybe you've drifted somehow along the way. You know where you should be. If that's you, I want to pray for you. While no one's looking around, while every head is bowed, we're just going to respect those that need to make this decision right now. If that's you, I just want you to just say, yeah, include me in that prayer. Just lift your hand. You put it straight back down. I see your hand. I see your hand. Great decision. You can pop it straight back down. Great decision. Yeah. See your hand. Great decision. Great decision, ma'am. I see your hand, sir. Great decision. You want to come back to God. Yeah, this is cool. Very special. I want you to know that God loves you deeply. Thanks for being with us. We hope this message leaves you stirred to a place of action. If you made a decision to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, need more resources, or want to take your next step, linkthechurch.org has everything you need. Until next time, from everyone at the Link Church, God bless.